Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Last two games really haven't guarded well. Um, we just got to get that attitude back that we've had for the past month and a half. And you know, you can't you can't um, can't start out slow and expect to come back every single game. You know, eventually, like I think teams are gonna react. And when shots, you know, we, we hit some shots. We did our thing on offense. But when you when you let not just one guy, you know, you could, you could easily say Demar had 38. You know, but we defended him. You know, he hit tough shots. But when you like myself letting um, take the three mid rangers with no contest, you know, like. When he gets going. You got Patty, Marco. You got Derek White hitting three. Like, you know, you got guys um, contributing to, to tomorrow. It makes it tough to kind of know where the offense is going to come from, you know, and I think we missed little things. Even, like, the missed blockouts, you know, stuff like that. Things we can control, and, you know, we got to get back to the way we've been playing the last month where it's been, like, you know, aggressive, you know, on both ends of the floor. The Jazz have back-to-back losses for the first time since early December. That obviously is Donovan Mitchell talking about the lack of defense, especially noticeable in the first half when they gave up 70 points, which is just no way to spin that. 70 is brutal. And they lose to the Spurs 127-120. There were a lot of little things, and we can discuss them all going forward, but too many uncontested shots. Not nearly enough stops, too many fouls, trips to the free throw line. And it's funny, the one thing the Jazz did really poorly offensively, despite the fact they scored 120 points and that ought to be enough to win the game, make your free throws. The Spurs made their free throws. They went to the free throw line and they were great. The Jazz went to the free throw line and they were lousy. And that disparity, neither team was mediocre. You're an NBA team, you're under 70%. It, is, it just screams you're not mentally dialed in. Now, part of it, you got a guy who's not a good free-throw shooter, and even for him he had a bad night, and that's Rudy Gobert. He was 9 of 18. But other guys missed free-throws, too. They started to have a little rally. They started to have a little comeback at the in the third quarter, and they tightened the game up, but it stalled. Clarkson missed a couple free-throws. Conley went to the line. He missed free-throws. He... This, it just, it's like a turnover. You set the line, you miss two free throws like Clarkson did. It's, it's the same as a turnover. You do everything right on offense. But that wasn't where most of the problems were. It was at the other end. And when they fouled the Spurs, the Spurs shot 90%. You're, they're shooting 90% of the line, and you're shooting 69.5% of the line. You're, you're giving away way too many points. But as Donovan pointed out, they also gave away points in a, what, a, a wide variety of ways. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. And stop giving up 120 points in a game. Because if you tell me you're giving up 120, more than 120 points in a game, I know you're in trouble. I know you win some of those shootouts. They won in New Orleans, 128-126. You're not always doomed. I guess you can say the Spurs gave up 120 last night, but Jazz got a few there at the end that were pretty easy and weren't going to change the game. For the Jazz now, that's back-to-back games, giving up more than 120 points. The Rockets, 126 to 117. So that's 126 right there. When they went to overtime with the Pelicans and lost, they gave up 122 points. When they hold teams, you know, around 100, they win, right? Mavericks, 107. They held the Pacers to 88. And the Warriors to 96. The Kings to 101. It's, that's the neighborhood you need to be in. Be within a few points of 100. Start giving up 122, 126, 127, you're going to end up in in trouble. And the question now is, 
I think this is always a question when you're on streaks in the NBA. Every team has good stretches. Every team has bad stretches. When you're coming off a hot streak and you have that valley, how deep does it go and how long do you stay there? Okay, this is back-to-back losses. Is it going to be three, four, or five in a row? Is it going to be three out of five, seven out of ten? Or do they turn it right around now and, and they win five of the next six? And so, yeah, those two games sucked and you gave away games. You think you should have won. And you can always look at the standings and if this, if that, what it could have, should it, we could be higher. But honestly, if you get out of it, the Lakers had a four-game losing streak right around Christmas. But you look at either side of that, there's really strong play. There were winning streaks. So it wasn't that bad because you go big picture and you're 14-6. and six. Well, That's going to get it done. So we'll see how long the Jazz stay in this. Donovan says all the right things, but on the court, how quick does that translate to holding some team to 100 points, making your free throws, and getting back in the winning column. Great thing about the NBA, there's always another game coming, and there's another game coming tonight in Denver. 8.30 TNT. Coverage will start at 7.30 with Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. We got the question up online, Facebook. All right, that's back-to-back losses for the first time since early December. Thoughts? Explanations? It's a lot of Mike Conley talk. Not fair to dump this all on one guy. At the same time, that wasn't great basketball out of Mike Conley either. So we can talk about that coming up. we got people all over the map. There's people who want to stay patient and let him find his way in this offense and other people are ready to make a trade. So we got that to look forward to. Coming up, uh, we'll do that in our next segment. And then uh, Craig Bullerjack will be here at 8.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Oladipo has it. 12 seconds to go. Long one. Care to chime in? Boom, baby. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. Dame dribbles around. Harden steps back, fades away. 20-footer. Got it. He dribbles and drives. He lays it up and bakes it in. The Moda Center fans are on their feet. Damian Lillard hears it. His first career triple-double. Damian Lillard continues to do his thing. The Blazers win again. Now there's still six games under 500. Blazers and the Spurs, both on the outside of the playoff race, looking in, but both within shouting distance, and they can still get to the postseason with a strong finish. The Rockets, like the Jazz, are going through a, going through a tough stretch here. There's, uh, there's no way around it. Uh, Harden did play. He didn't play very well. He certainly shot a really low percentage, and he didn't get to the line nearly as much as he normally does. Five of 18 from the floor. That's below his normal numbers. Two of eight from three. Six of six at the line. Westbrook also played. He had a big game, 39 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. But like the Jazz, it's not so much about the offense. It's the defense. They didn't give up 70 points in the first half. They gave up 71. And they lose 125 to 112. So... For the Houston Rockets, the slippage continues. They've lost uh, two of their last three games, and they are in the last nine, three, and six. So, lousy stretch for them. The best-slash-worst video of the night in the NBA was probably Alfred Payton going after Jay Crowder. If you didn't see that, first off, let's just say right at the start, it was all completely unnecessary. I get that in games, guys are competing. And it's a dog-eat-dog world, right? 
They will, if you can't defend, they will put you on an island and they will go after you until the coach takes you out of the game. And so you start grabbing, you start holding, the other guy doesn't like All that, that's one thing. This, if you saw it, was something completely different. It was a blowout. It wasn't competitive. Welcome to the New York Knicks world. Memphis, 127-106. So in the final minute, with the game completely and thoroughly decided, without a doubt, Jay Crowder goes for a steal in the backcourt. So that just goes against NBA etiquette. You're just not supposed to do that. And then he dribbles to the three-point line to take three. Probably not supposed to do that either. Alfred Payton was having none of it. He ran over there, didn't come close to making a play on the ball. Shot was already gone. And Crowder was kind of coming down and landing. And he just puts two hands in his chest and shoves him to the ground. And it's on. Ten guys right in front of the fans. And we've seen multiple situations where that's not good. Malice at the Palace, but there have been other ones too. I could be wrong, but I think there was a piston nick thing at the Garden years ago that rolled right down along the baseline or the sideline on the near side. I could have the teams wrong, though. I'm a little fuzzy on it, but I definitely remember seeing see like a mass of humanity and grazing the end of the stands. I thought that's where we were going. Refs, assistant coaches came in, and these guys were hot. And NBA guys don't really want to fight. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to break their hand. They don't want to have their face broken. They don't want to get suspended, and they don't want to get fined. There's a whole list of bad things that happen, and they get mad, but they don't really want to go. And these guys didn't go, but it did feel to me like they were a little closer to going than the average chest-puffing. This is not your typical little... Handbags at 30 paces. Bark at each other. It's one of my media friends likes to say. Uh, And then, of course, it uh, carried on. Well, they, they kicked Peyton out for the shove. They kicked Crowder out. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr. also got ejected. Morris made comments about Crowder in the postgame, called the shot unprofessional, said the Crowder had female tendencies, then later issued an apology for his comments on social media shortly afterwards. So, I think the NBA League office just got a little extra work. NBA has alerted teams to the impending release of uh, the 2021 salary and luxury tax projections. Everyone's expecting revenue in China to be down, the salary cap and the luxury tax to drop. ESPN saying maybe about three million bucks, one sixteen to one thirteen for the cap. That'll put the guy, the squeeze on people headed into free agency. How long to get that revenue going again going forward? Most teams have a lot of salary coming off the book in the summer of 2021. So probably more of a short-term squeeze and then in the long-term be able to adjust when a lot of contracts come up. Kawhi Leonard said he's uh, considering, reconsidering use of helicopter transportation in the wake of Kobe Bryant and the crash in Calabasas. That they shared the same people. pilot. They did share the same pilot. And Kawhi uh, doesn't always stay I mean, NBA lifestyle is different. You can have something near Staples and something in Orange County like Kobe did, or Kawhi, in his case, coming all the way from San Diego. He's got a house down there, yeah. But that area, you know, aside from all the mechanical issues, pilot air, the fog that we've heard about in Calabasas, up and down the coast, it's a huge issue, especially in the morning before it burns off. If you've all been down there for vacation, you know what I'm talking about. 
So Kawhi rethinking that. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. All right, we got college hoop tonight. 6.30, a little on the early side for BYU and Pepperdine. BYU ought to win this. They need to win this. Pepperdine's 11-10 overall, 4-3 in the West Coast Conference. In other words, just good enough to wreck BYU if BYU comes out and plays a C-minus, D-plus game. Like you did against you come out at home and do your thing, you should be fine. Pepperdine's not all that. Just good enough to make a mess. I saw the uh, bracketology projections from Joe Lenardi, BYU a 10 seed even after the loss at USF. Okay, you use your mulligan, but remember 12 is where you start getting into the playing games and then you're out. So there's a little bit of a cushion there, but how about taking care of business? 6.30, CBS Sports Network for the BYU game. Then at 7.30, Utah's on FS1. They're playing USC. USC 16-4 overall, 5-2 in the conference. Lost to Oregon and Washington, two teams Utah's lost to. And USC, most importantly, 8-1 at home. Utah's done some good things, but they've done them at home, and they've done them, in the case of Kentucky, on a neutral court. Now, they also went back for a tournament and had a terrible neutral court, so that's been an up and down. But the road, one and four. So, can they get this win? This would be great if they get it. Honestly, I'm, I'm into camp low expectations. Call me soft. I think I'm just being realistic. Beat USC, or excuse me, lose to USC, beat UCLA on Sunday afternoon. Seems like the most likely way to get out of L.A. with a split. But you never know. The Pac-12 doesn't have greatness at the top. And when you don't have greatness, you got somebody to have an off night. And so if you got a chance to take advantage of that, get her done. 7.30 FS1. Weber State is playing Southern Utah in Cedar City tonight at 7 o'clock. And UVU lost at home to Cal Baptist. Got a nice win at Grand Canyon, but Cal Baptist at home, that's got to sting. Lose 65-61. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. What would it mean to you to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl? I, I will tell you, I will be shedding tears of joy for Andy. For That's big, how good of a guy he is. Win. Absolutely, he's he's a phenomenal human being. Um, you know, and obviously, obviously, we don't get it always as fans. You don't always get a chance to see what that people part are actually of a coach like. Yeah, behind closed doors when he pulls into his office, just you and him, and you're t- he's talking about specific things to help you as a person right. and as a player. You don't get, you're not privy, privy to that as a fan. So he's a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. There's Brian Dawkins talking about why he personally is rooting for Andy Reid, and that just goes right across the NFL. We had uh, um, Chad Lewis on to talk about this, and I mean, Chad just you know couldn't say enough nice things. And, and he, he went to exactly what Brian said. There's stuff you just don't get to see if you're not on the team. The one-on-one conversations, the conversation on the sideline, he is the most, of all Lavelle's coaching tree, protégés, assistant coaches, uh, the people who know him, and I don't know Andy, but I've heard enough people say this, he is so Lavelle-like, it'll freak you out. He's got many of Lavelle's best qualities, and those qualities just really endear him to assistant coaches, players, ex-players. So a lot of people rooting for him to get the Super Bowl win. He's lost the Super Bowl. He's been to seven conference championships now. He's had a lot of good teams. And Sunday's got a chance to get to the mountaintop. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell always does the State of the League speech Super Bowl week, and he said that the Rooney Rule has fallen short of its intended purpose, and the league needs to address it. I think there are a lot of African-American assistant coaches who would say, no bleep. 
To Goodell's credit, because it is easy to jump up and down on him, especially when you're in Salt Lake City and he's in New York, you don't have to answer for it or ever talk to him. The quote, clearly, clearly we are not where we want to be on this issue. We have a lot of work that's gone in not only the Rooney Rule, but our policies overall. It's clear we need to change and do something different. There's no reason to expect that we're going to have a different outcome next year without those kind of changes, and we've already begun engaging in those changes. Now, actions speak louder than words. Let's be clear on that. But if you're going to go with the words, at least he said clearly twice. He didn't hem and haw and equivocate. and So try something different because keep doing the same thing. You're going to keep getting the same results. At some point, isn't there a competitive edge to be had if there's a pool of people capable of doing a certain job or function and no one is willing to go to that pool of people, whoever it is, whether it's by race or religion or gender or socioeconomic status or any of the other ways we divide ourselves. If you tap into that pool, you have an advantage. As a baseball historian. You'd think. As a guy who had a dad who lived in San Diego but was way into all the New York teams for reasons that aren't exactly clear to me other than they were probably accessible national radio broadcasts or whatever. I don't know. You know, I know all about the Dodgers were terrible. And the Dodgers got good because they embraced the players in the Negro Leagues. They embraced African-American Jackie players. Jackie Robinson. They got Jackie Robinson first. Yeah, but, hey, yeah. you need an MVP, you go get Roy Campanella. You need a, a star at the top of your rotation, a Cy Young guy, you go get Don Newcomb on down the line. And all of a sudden, you win the first World Series after struggling for 50 years. When Andy Reid, going back to him, he's actually advocated for his offensive corner, Eric Bieniemy, who is African-American, to get a job, and he's not been given that opportunity yet. So, at some point... Like I mean, you can have the Rooney rule and all of that, but it seems like if there are good coaches who aren't being given a chance and you're struggling, give them a chance. Now, of course, you still got to get the right guy. And it's football, so you got to get a hundred other things right. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Yuck, I love your typos. <laughs> what I do now? The Houston Astros officially announced the hire of Duty Baker as their new manager. This stupid keyboard doesn't <laughs> like me. Ah, there it is. Duty Baker. Dusty Baker's been out there forever. It's not a big shock. The guys had multiple good teams. Uh, had a good run with the Giants, the Cubs, the Nationals. And Houston needs credibility. And they need strong leadership. They need a voice. And you know, Dusty Baker had a long and really good playing career. I mean, this guy's just, he's a baseball lifer, and Houston's obviously, they're going to have some stuff to work through. And it's going to wear them all year. They're going to, uh, PK was telling you about the Angels are selling tickets to a Dodger uh, kind of fan club. There's some kind of fan club. There's like 800 people in this group. They're buying tickets to go heckle them. This is going to happen everywhere. People are bitter. They won seven game series. Did they get just enough edge to knock off the Dodgers in seven? Now, they're not going to go play the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. That's why Dodger fans are going to Anaheim to go to Angel games. But they also won the ALCS in seven over the Yankees. Oh, right. You're going to hear it in New York. You are going to hear it. And you can hear it everywhere you go. And it's going to get in guys' heads. And our other teams, hey, there's other pitchers out there who haven't said anything, Clayton Kershaw, and other guys are going to address it as they they go to camp and do their first media stuff. And Kershaw wants to hear something. What's that going to sound like? Maybe Dusty can help that happen. And maybe he can be that calm voice in the dugout when things are getting ugly, when 
you know, they're on a losing, the inevitable losing streak in a 162-game season and opposing ballparks are just letting them have it. Which I think they deserve to hear, so let's get on with it. Here we go. All right, what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690, that's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Craig Bullerjack at 8.30 to talk jazz. Reno Mahi to talk Super Bowl. We're going to hear more from him because obviously he played for Andy Reid with the Eagles uh, when he was in the NFL. The former Cougar will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll talk Super Bowl with Reno. Coming up next, all right, the Jazz have lost back-to-back games for the first time since they lost three in a row in early December. What's going on? What's the problem? There's more than one. What's your, for lack of a better phrase, favorite problem? We'll get to that. Try to fix what ails the Jazz. We'll do that next. Stay with us. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. I got the high school games coming up. And by the way, just a, a side thing. Big thanks to Jeremy Brunner for his work in the truck. Always enjoy it when he produces the game. Jeremy's a pro. Oh, I love it. Is that a shot at Adrian? And Damon, I feel like oh, it was. And just so you know, just, just a quick side nod here. I wish Jeremy could be my producer every day. <laughs> I make a comment, and it must be a shot at somebody. Just, it must be. You looked right at Adrian when you were saying. I was talking TV. <laughs> I always get myself in trouble because of you guys. I did not say Jeremy does a great job on TV and Adrian sucks on radio. I did not say that. You did now. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join The Zone and ARUP Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. ARUP 9786 South. 500 West, come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you will receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. DJ, PK, we got the question of the day up. The Jazz have lost back-to-back games for the first time since they lost three in a row in early December. Thoughts? Explanations? PK, you don't have to go too far to see 70 points in the first half is awful. 127 points. In the last three times they've given up 120 points, they've gotten beaten. It's uh, it's a straight line. they got to defend better. Yeah, that was very, very disheartening, man, watching the Spurs shoot 64%. I keep thinking of Majerus. If he would have been alive, he would have been dead. First thing he looked at on the stat sheet after every game, what did the opponent shoot? 64%. That's outrageous. Yep. I wonder if that's their best this season and a half. Got to be right there. I mean, there could be another outlier somewhere. I don't have the stats for every half of Spurs basketball, but uh, to your point, there just can't be that many better halves than that. 64 is off the charts. Yeah, you get a, you let a team get that comfortable, and shooting is a lot of rhythm stuff, obviously. And at that point, man, they just go into the locker room thinking that thing is as big as the ocean, as they say. So you're in for it. And it's almost to the point of too late because – Everybody, I mean, literally everybody in that starting lineup was shooting over 500. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan went nuts again. Another player going berserko. And the thing that I don't get it is arguably their best player, Aldridge, isn't playing. From now on, I think that here's my plan. <laughs> if if the opponent has a uh, an all-star sitting out, the, the Jazz just – 
do their guys all load management. So you start Bradley, you start, is Nigel Goss, is he still on the team? I haven't heard his name for a while. Uh, put him in there. I'd go uh, Brantley. I go. What's the dude? How do you say the dude's name from the uh, Mie, Ivy Mieoni from uh, Yale? Yeah, I put him in there. Yeah, I, I was. It, it's incredible that they're getting all these breaks in terms of stars not playing. Literally, the best guys on the team, and they're not taking advantage of it. Now it's only two games, but still, listening to Donovan Mitchell talking after the game, saying we can go one of two ways. What's it going to be? I, I feel a sense of frustration here right now. Is there any part of you that thinks you're overreacting that it's two games in the middle of the NBA season? Or that's the attitude that leads to the three-game wins losing streak and the four-game losing streak? Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying, DJ. I like to come down on the side, get people to, to figure out which way they want to go. And I have to admit on this one, I'm a little bit torn because it is the NBA. And my philosophy is you never go crazy on any single game, high or low, because there's always another game in 24, 48. Now here it's tonight, obviously. So sit tight, don't go nuts. But these two games, given the fact that the best players on each team were gone and you still lost, that bothers me. And, you know, maybe the Houston thing with the Kobe Bryant you know, what the ultimate tragedy, his wife came out with a statement yesterday and you just feel her, you, you can't, you, you can't literally feel it, but you can sort of imagine her pain. You can't put yourself in those shoes for sure unless you're there. So maybe there was something there and the Rockets had already played a game, but they let obviously Gorn go nuts. And then last night with the Aldridge being gone, I mean, not that he's the greatest player ever, but the Spurs are an under 500 team and they have one, at least their second best, at worst their second best, him and, and DeMar DeRozan. And they let DeRozan go off. And then these other guys, these other guys, man, I mean, I realize they're NBA players. That's what we're talking about, though, as we said when they were winning all these games, is, hey, these other guys got NBA players capable. And in those games, in those streaks, when the Jazz were just winning all those games, these types of players didn't go off. Now they are. So I don't want to go too crazy, but rather than being alarmed right now, I just feel more of a sense of frustration. So I would say that what we need now, to quote your late brother-in-law, is flexibility within a structured system. All right, how so? Because I think we have to go to Michael Jordan here. Go to the best. Always don't, go to Jordan. Absolutely, right? Don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> what would Jordan do? Listen, Jordan was in the league forever. He was plenty savvy enough to know two regular season games, you can't go nuts, right? Uh, okay. But sometimes you need a little extra juice because it is 82 games. Because it beats you down. There are so many plane flights. And your sleep gets messed with. And some days... You think you have it, but really the other guy's got it. And maybe the other guy's got it because the star, or in the case of Houston, a couple star players are out, and there's a lot more shots to be had. Sweet! This is, I get to do my thing tonight. I, everything's for me. Guys are screening for me. I'm not screening for other people. This is great. And so they so come Sid out with Mitchell a little more tonight? juice. So, no, I think <laughs> that for you and me— because we don't play, we probably do have to keep that. Hey, it's two games. If they get their mojo back tonight and they go into Denver and they play well and win the game, then great. Okay? Let's see if they give up 120 again tonight because that's not good enough and that's going to get you beat. Or if this game is, you know, in the 100-105 range or something like that and they're getting their mojo back. I think for the, the, the people who need to really say, hey – we can go one of two ways, like Donovan says, it's the Jazz. They need to do something, give themselves a little extra juice that they clearly don't have right now for whatever reason. 
it's oh, like two things. They won for too long, and eventually, yeah, yeah, I got you. You know, something goes wrong. You get a little fat and happy. It's human nature. If it's because uh, the Kobe thing has rocked their world and gotten in their heads and lost a little edge because of that, or if it's some third thing that we don't know about because they've kept it in the locker room, whatever it is, if they got to lie to themselves a little bit. Lie to yourself a little bit because you need a little more juice. Clearly, you don't have it. All right. Two things. What would Jordan do? I always thought WWJD stood for something else, but now I know what would it stands for. What would Jordan do? All these years, I thought it was something else. So thank you for correcting me. What would Jordan do? And then secondly, they get their mojo back. What's what's the issue with mojo? Is it a hammy? Is it a quad? Because he's coming back now. Is that it? <laughs> mojo. Mojo's coming back. I guess if your name was Maurice Johnson, you really would be Mojo, wouldn't you? Mojo! Every time you walk in a gym. Oh, Mojo! We got Mojo back. And then when he gets up in the morning, you know what he's doing? What's that? It's uh, Mojo Rising. <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, I think there are other things that they can do that aren't quite as dramatic that will have a big impact. And one of them is Rudy Gobert's got to stay out of foul trouble. They went back to Ed Davis in the second half last night. Quinn clearly didn't like what he saw in the first half, so he made the change. Ed Davis had been buried on the bench for a long stretch here. But Tony Bradley played 10 minutes in the first half, and the Spurs were plus 16. The Jazz were outscored by 16 points while Bradley was on the floor. And in the third quarter, hey, look, we got an Ed Davis sighting. And we had an Ed Davis sighting because Rudy Gobert picked up his fourth foul one minute into the third quarter. Rudy, you got to stay out of foul trouble. You play 32 minutes, and they're going to need you 35 to 38. You got to at least be available. And if, if they play great, and they don't need you, and you come out at the end of a game, you play fewer minutes, or within a game, whether it's Davis or it's Bradley, because I think they're clearly both going to get chances down the stretch here. If they're on the floor and it's going well, and and Quinn thinks he can buy a few more minutes and leave you on the bench, you only play 32, that's fine. But you can't be available for only 32 because you're in foul trouble early in the game and Quinn has to sit you. That, that's got to stop. Yeah, I'd have to go back and dissect each foul because the center position is the one guy that can get fouls and it's not almost like it's almost like it's his fault because he's got to help. You know, normally the guards, if you're going to foul, you're probably going to commit the foul on the guy you're guarding. But the center dude, because of his the nature of his position and what is required of him, he can often get fouls that aren't on his guy. And he's got to find a way to make sure to stay away from that, maybe play a little bit smarter, because obviously he's just so valuable to the ball club. And I can argue that he is the most valuable player on his team and certainly be within the realm of realism. So, yes, he's got to stay out because you need him out on the floor. They don't have not, And I don't think that uh, it's a knock on Bradley or Davis. And when I say they don't have anybody as good as him because I can go down the rosters of just about every NBA team and they don't have a player as impactful as Gobert. So, yeah, that's something that has to be accomplished, too. I, yeah, I think they're, Gobert's fouls fall into three categories, and there's one category I want him to control because he can't control the other two. To your point, he's got to challenge shots when guys come in, and sometimes that's going to lead to fouls. And I know Quinn's got a bunch of things that Rudy can do, changing the angles, which shots you challenge, how you do it to minimize it. But you're going to get some fouls 
Because you have to challenge so many guys who come into the paint. I get that. Those are going to happen. Also, you're going to get some fouls because a lot of stuff happens quickly. Sometimes the ref miss it and they blow calls. And you're going to have a 50-50 call go against you. You're going to have a cheap ticky-tack or just flat out a blown call. So you're going to get some of those fouls. So the third category that you have to stay away from, sometimes Rudy, and actually sometimes all, not just Rudy, all big men, they get the foul where they're pushing for position on a rebound and you just put your hand in some guy's back. You know what you're doing. You're trying to get away with something. You can't get those fouls in the first half of the game that, you know, you get one of each of those fouls and you got three at halftime and you're sitting in the first half because of that. You can't get those fouls in the first half. None of those rebounds in the first half are worse, worse, are worth putting your hand in the small of the back and pushing some guy out of the way. Late in the game, and it's a one or two possession game, maybe you take that risk. But don't do it early and get in foul trouble. And sometimes you see that and you're just thinking, well, you're just you're begging for trouble because the other ones are going to happen. Now, can you make sure you get that message to go bear in time for tonight? Yeah, I'm flying to Denver after the show. Not an issue. Well, there's all sorts of ways to communicate these days. You, know, you don't literally have to say it in person. You can FaceTime him. Uh, not anymore. Not after the incident. Oh, well, find a way to get him that message because he needs to be out on that floor. I'll FaceTime Joe and I'll Joe tell him. I don't care who gets it to him because all those things you say are correct. He needs to be out on the floor. It's just, this is sports is crazy, man. The emotions that you ride, the elevator, that's the roller coaster. It, or whatever. That's why I know. we do it. We, I know, we say we hate it, but we love it. I know it's it's addictive too. It, it's it's like that proverbial good golf shot that you're searching for, you know, and you hit it and you get all fired up and they're winning all those games and it's just awesome. Now they lost a couple in a row. You're thinking, oh my gosh, what did they trade Conley? Why did they go get him and just go down the list? Uh, why did they why did they extend O'Neal? Why did they give that contract to Ingles? <laughs> <laughs> you just run through the list here of why they didn't do this. Why didn't they do that? You know, when they're winning, oh, this thing's the greatest extending Royce O'Neal. What a deal they got. He's a bargain. Yep. And this team's going to be good for the next five years. This is awesome. And we ride this roller coaster, but I do it too here. And I want to see these guys win because everything is so tight and I want a long extended playoff run. And now I'm getting nervous if they lose tonight because going to Denver was always going to be difficult. If I listed the games of the last three, including tonight that would the degree of difficulty I'd have the highest at tonight's game and here they are have lost two and now they got to go do this one tonight oh my gosh I'm so nervous it's on TNT uh, what's going to happen here maybe that's going to pay off because they can get an extra hour or so before they have to get ready for the game and so on a back-to-back maybe that's a blessing I'm running through all these things yeah. in my mind and it's just bizarre I'm cluttering myself up with a bunch of stuff that I don't need to do so stuff happens the Lakers are in first place in the West, they had a four-game losing streak when they lost the Clippers on uh, Christmas night. That was their fourth straight loss. But we, we've talked about this before. When you when you get hot, how long do you stay hot, and how hot are you? And when you get cold, how long are you down in that valley, and how deep is it? And the the Lakers, when they lost four in a row, they won seven straight before that, and they won nine straight after that. So you're still 16-4 and four playing, you win in 80% of your games over 20 games. I'm sure the four in a row felt bad, it felt lousy. I'm sure Larry the Laker didn't like losing to the Clippers again on Christmas night. But they still were in the middle of a stretch where they went 16-4. and four. And I think that's the message for the Jazz. The two losses suck, but you still got a handful of important games here before you get to the All-Star break. 
if you get it back together and you start winning again, when you look at the bigger picture, it's not going to be a big deal. Yeah, I know, but you threw the word if there. Oh, right, so yeah. That, that's the problem. It suppose is. they don't. <laughs> and suppose they roll into the break, not rolling, but actually the other way. Then it's panic city, and we're all, oh, my gosh, we're up in arms. We're going nuts here. And so that's the thing about it is I'm not going to get too crazy until it's time to get too crazy, which makes no sense. I understand that. But most of the stuff I say doesn't make sense. So I might as well stay consistent. So, yeah, if they – I don't want to say turn it around because that's true too dramatic because two losses, it's not like you're a ship and you're totally off course all of a sudden. But if they get back on the winning track between now and the break, then they got that nine days off and they go in and everything's great. If they're, if they're in second place, when we get to the break a couple of weeks away, then everything is great. It's where they're supposed to be. Their talent level is matching expectations and vice versa and everything's fine. But if they don't and they slip the fifth, and or a game out of sixth, well, then it's panic time. So what's it going to be? I'm not sure. I still like the team. I still team still think the team is pretty good. Maybe they were better than we thought. And right now, these two games, it's a little worse than we thought. But over 82, it'll settle into where it's supposed to be, which I think certainly is an opportunity to win a first-round series. And then depending on the opponent, uh, opportunity to have at least, at least an extended second-round series. I still believe that. And I've got to hold on to that. And I've got to set that aside, knowing that, okay, this is what I thought it was capable of going into the season. And maybe I got my hopes up a little bit too much early not early but here most recently which was towards the middle of the season and so things will settle a little bit but on the other hand if they stumble into the break then what are we thinking chaos dogs and cats living together here's the deal and you hate this i'm gonna do it anyway oh well the schedule's getting tougher pk they just played the games Houston and San Antonio shorthanded those are the games you're supposed to win and they didn't win them now when they were winning those games the conversation was, yeah, they're just beating the teams you're supposed to beat. Well, here comes a tougher stretch. Denver and Portland on the road, Denver and Portland at home, and then a back-to-back at Houston and at Dallas. That's not easy. And they still have to play Miami before the break, too. That's seven games, and I don't see the bottom of the Eastern Conference or the dregs of the West in there. You know, they're playing seven teams that are, are pretty good. Portland's under 500, uh, but we still know Damian Lillard can go off on any given night like he did last night, he can go off on any given night and and win the game. And he went and had a triple-double, and they beat the Rockets last night. So, you know, seven games here before the break – can they? That, I don't think they're going seven and zero. Oh. Can they pull it together here? Is, can yes. they go four and three, five yes. and yes. two? Yes. If yes. They, if they go five of, and two between yeah. now, we're just wasting our breath. If they go five and two in the next seven, all this all this stress is about nothing. If they do that, well, I see no reason. I believe that the talent is there. None of those games that they have, any of those opponents scare me. Thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be really really difficult. They're going to have to play at their absolute best. They're going to have to play well to win, but they're going to have to play well to win any game. And I don't care what the record is. They're going to have to play well to win any game. They are very capable of going into the all-star break with some momentum. All right, DJ and PK, we got a lot of feedback on Facebook, on Twitter, people with theories, people with concerns. We'll get to all of those coming up. Craig Bowlerjack joins us at 830. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Join Scotty and Hands Monday, February 3rd from noon to 3. They'll be at Umami Japanese Barbecue at 568 North Mill Road in Vineyard for great tasting Japanese barbecue. All right, the question of the day is up on our Facebook page. Back-to-back losses for the Jazz for the first time since they lost three in a row, December 1st through the 4th. That was the famous East Coast road trip when they had a terrible, terrible trip. Thoughts? Explanations? Travis... Gets right to the heart of the matter, PK. One for his last 15 for three. The guy's a liability on defense. His offense has been horrible, and the team looks lost when he's on the court. I don't want to blame one person, but Mike Conley doesn't fit in, and he's the highest-paid player on the court for us. Ooh. Putting it, Ooh. Putting it all on Mike. That's unfair. He's not the guy getting in foul trouble. Rudy is. The team uh, doesn't look great when he's off the court. Well, there's a whole bunch of things that go into that. And I I knew this was going to happen. This is obviously predictable. Uh, But he's not even starting. And you look at the Spurs game, and let's just focus on the Spurs game because that's the most recent one, and that's the loss we're dealing with right now. That Spurs lineup got awfully comfortable before Conley even got in the game. Another excellent point. Chris says Mike seems to be messing with the groove. He needs to hit the three and hit his floater. Actually, I think since he's come back from injury, and and the numbers bear this out, he's looked a lot more comfortable going to the hoop. I mean, that looks more to me like Mike Conley. Now the three hasn't been going in. There's no way around that. One for the last fifteen. But if you look what he's done since he's come back from injury and set that aside, I think he's shooting like seventy percent on two point shots. Uh, he attacks the rim. And he's finishing at a much higher rate than he was earlier in the year. Well, I think what he's doing is he's finishing at the rim instead of doing a floater. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's done a much better job of getting all the way to the rim. Yeah. You know, they invested in in Conley, and it is like you get married, and you encounter a first couple of things that are problems here, and so you blow it up right you know, you're barely even getting started. Did you give it a fair shot? And right now, if they were to blow up Conley, and that doesn't mean you cut him or trade him, that just means you reduce his minutes or sit him on the bench. I don't think it's a fair opportunity because he was in a situation when he was playing earlier where the team wasn't clicking. Now, he was part of the reason why the team wasn't clicking. I get it. But then he goes away with the injury and the team clicks. And since he's been back, you know, it hasn't clicked as well. But I can't say that it's exclusively him. I've got to have more time. So at this point here, since you're only seven games away from sort of an opportunity to regroup because you have the all-star break there, it's past the midway point, but it's still an opportunity to regroup. I say you keep him in there, play him, you know, whatever his minutes are, so be it, according to Coach Snyder, for the next seven games. And then at that point, you have time to regroup. you got a whole week to really reflect and dive into it and get everybody's minds together, the, you know, the great minds of the organization. And then you figure out something and it's either keep going or stop it or increase it, whatever it might be. But I'd say at this point, let it ride through the all-star break with these games coming up with the next couple of weeks and then 
figure out what to do going forward. I think this is where analytics can pay a real dividend because you get caught up in the emotion, and we see it right here in this first post. He's the highest paid player on the, on the court. You pay guys what you pay guys. In the NBA, it's guaranteed money, and so you're set, right? There's some bonuses, but I don't think it's like the NFL where they've got more bonuses built in. So you're paying them what they're paying them. And then you got to put the best team out there and win the game. And I think we can find plenty of teams this year, or you can go back in previous years, when there's a high-paid guy, and he just had to pay less because they were a better team when lower-paid guy plays. And I think if you start, and there's certainly examples in sports where a guy got paid money, so a guy played. But I think what Mm -hmm. helps you with the analytics is you set all that aside and you look at, okay, this four- or five-man group is on the floor, this four- or five-man group. You know, what do the numbers say over a lot of possessions, over a bigger period of time? And I think you can get some clarity there and lose some of the emotion like, oh, we're paying this guy that much, or we gave up this guy to get that guy. And if you let that weigh into it, you might miss something and it might color you. So I think this is where when you talk about the minds getting into it, they're watching the games, then they watch a lot of video, and then they break down those numbers and say, what in this group isn't working? Because early in the year when people were stressing about Conley and he didn't look like Conley and he was still adapting all that, it still wasn't a problem. They were winning when the starters were in the game and he was starting at that point. It was the bench that was crushing them. And when they changed the bench, they got much better results. And so don't get caught up in too much of the emotion when you're judging the team. See what you see, and then see if the numbers actually back that up. And the bench changes obviously changed a lot of things for this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with all that. That's what I'm saying. Don't go crazy. Not yet. Let's right. wait, man. I but don't if know the if numbers go crazy. But, it, but if the if the numbers yeah, gotcha. are bad, then yeah, don't yeah, be they, afraid after the break or five games after the break. Don't be afraid to make the move. And I think the Jazz proved they're not afraid to do something dramatic. If they look at it, they see it, and the numbers back it up and say this isn't working, well, look what they did with the bench. They basically admitted they made a bunch of bad moves in the offseason, but they reversed all those moves. They flipped them, they brought in better players, and they got better results. Yeah, so for sure. They'll make, it, it will, if it comes to that, it'll be a tough decision, but they've already made tough decisions. So, yeah, I, but I still think in the back, and I've said this before, and I'm, I'm going to hang on to this. This is the hill I'll die on. The thing Conley brings that really nobody else on the roster brings to the level he brings it is playoff experience. And that's really how we're going to remember this season, not a two or maybe it becomes a three or four game losing streak or whatever. Not February. You're going to remember. I mean, if I asked you right now, what years did the statues win 60 games? How many times did that happen? A bunch of you would struggle with that. But if I said, what years did the statues go to the NBA Finals, a bunch of you would nail that in 2.2 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. So yeah. Conley, 56 playoff games, winning four playoff series, I think that counts for something. And I think they try to make this work as well as they can. And they're clearly already making adjustments because he does look much more comfortable attacking the rim and finishing. So more adjustments to come. And the other thing he provides that they're going to need, he got to the free throw line in the Spurs game. And I know a lot of things got lost, but I think this team needs to shoot more free throws. I think they can shoot more free throws. It's the most efficient way to score. And it wasn't lost on me that as a veteran he gets calls and as a guy who can take a game plan and apply it, he got to the free throw line seven times. That's a major positive. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.